0: Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for this. Yeah. Too Good for Radio. Foxy and Giuliano. The podcast.
1: Hello. Hello again. Episode
2: number two. Episode numero. Due. Two. <laughs> We're back. We enjoyed the first one, so we thought we'd do another. Yeah. I'm um, really
1: excited about um, our guest who we've got on today. I can tell because your voice has gone higher pitched. He's a, an incredible block guy. His name is Keith Mason. If you watch Rugby League,
2: Super League, you'll you're know he's... You're saying it all wrong. Sorry, go on. Rugby League. Okay. Um. Rugby mm, League. Not that rubbish rugby union. That is just naff. This is proper rugby.
1: So if you're into Rugby League, he's an absolute superstar. He's yeah. now retired and he has got the most incredible love story him and his missus have been through something incredible and he's also going to tell you how he became mates with Mickey Rourke and got into the movie business yeah, it's an amazing story amazing love story Mickey Rourke and Rock Bear
2: Robbie got it right there mate <laughs> he's called Keith Mason he'll be on the podcast in just a bit so that's coming up
1: later on first of all yep um, are you wearing a massive foam hand?
2: <laughs> I've just I've just got back from the filming of the new gladiators, <laughs> and I bought one of them foam fingers. No, this is this is my actual finger. Foxy's got one big hand. One massive thing. No, it's just a finger. It's so. Hang on, mate. Mate, it's not the whole hand. It's so big that I'm worried that when you're
1: steering the car. There's such a weight differential on your left hand. You might just be steering left all the time because of the weight of the handle just
2: be pulling you left. The beauty of the size of this finger is that should somebody annoy me at traffic lights, I can actually wind down my window and tap their window. <laughs> That's how big it is, mate. Just give them one big finger. <laughs> big one big... Hey, look at the size of that beast finger. Honestly, if you look across, they'll go like... Blimey, look at that guy's hand. I've got a swollen finger and I've had this for about a week. Yeah, I went to the minor injuries yesterday. Is it so heavy that you've tipped over occasionally? A couple of times. A couple of times. Um, I went to minor injuries. Have you ever been to minor injuries? Absolute waste of time, that is. Is it at the hospital? Yeah, so, well, it's like midway between. So, you
1: went into a minor injuries unit and said, I've got one massive hand.
2: I've got a. It's a finger! My hand is fine! (laughs) (laughs) Don't. Let reality
1: get in the way. It's
2: just one massive finger. That's it. It's my index finger. And it's just... It's massive. You've got massive fingers. What are you doing to yourself? So I went to the minor injuries. Oh, that thing happened. And... You
1: look like... You know when Bruce Banner got hit by gamma rays and turned into the Hulk? You've just got a Hulk hand. You've
2: just got a Finger! It's not <laughs> my hand! Just got fat fingers anyway. But this is just a massive finger. So I went to... The minor injuries yesterday. And you know that thing that occasionally happened to you and I whilst, whilst we were on the wireless together?
1: When you dial the phone, do you just press four numbers all at once because it's so massive?
2: God's sake, I'm trying to tell you what happened to me. You yesterday. went to the minor injuries unit. The the thing that occasionally happened to us I got recognised yesterday. <laughs> so this... Is that Foxy over there? I, I don't know, but Jeff, look at his massive, massive hand. Massive finger? I don't remember having a massive finger when he was on that Birmingham radio station. So, um... Yeah, this happens occasionally when you work on the wireless. You occasionally get recognised. Has it ever happened to you? It's happened to you a couple of times. Yeah, it
1: happened to me. Uh, well, two occasions. One was with you. Do you remember when the guy came up to us in the in Birmingham town oh, centre? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: He was like,
1: "Foxy Giuliano, I listen to you all the time on the radio." I was like, "Wow!" I was like, "He's like, can I have my picture taken with you?" I was like, "Absolutely no problem. We've hit the big time. Let's go. Let's get a selfie, okay?" Yeah. He was like, yeah. And as he sort of put the phone up in front of us and we're all leading in and smiling, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to send this to my mate. He hates you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'd forgotten about that. And
1: then the other time I got recognised was in a museum in Birmingham just after I'd been sacked from the radio station. They're like, "Juliana, is it you? Yeah, yeah. Have you been
2: sacked? Yes, I have. (laughs) Yeah, that's my child there. Can we not discuss it now? (laughs) So I went into the... the hospital and she took me into the little cubicle and she was looking at my my fat finger
1: your massive hand
2: and she went are you are you foxy and I was like not now love. and and it just reminded me this is there's two other stories that I've got on this um, the first one is the time that when I was at a radio station up north and I was on my hometown station of Viking FM doing the breakfast show there with another guy called Tom um, I've cheated on you I'm sorry I took his job You did you? <laughs> and um, I'll never forget, we used to get into all the nightclubs for free. We'd just say, oh, we're Foxy and Tom from... Of course v-. you do. Like, you're a big deal yeah. in Hull. I don't know who you, I don't know if you know who I am, but well, I'm... The mighty Viking FM. Viking FM. Weekends. So I went to the door and I thought, hey, up, let's watch this. I'll get us in for free into the waterfront nightclub in Hull. And I said to the doorman, I said, uh, hey, mate. I said, I'm Foxy from Viking FM. I'd like to get in. He says, you're not. So I said, I am. He says, you can't, but you're already in. <laughs> Somebody else? <laughs> I'd come up with the ingenious idea of pretending to be me and got themselves free entry into the waterfront nightclub in Hull. Well, that, that is a mark of your fame in Hull, though. Exactly. Well yeah. done. Just not okay. how I look. No. <laughs> uh, and the other time, I'll never forget this, till so the day I die, I don't know if you remember this, when we were doing the breakfast show on 210FM in Berkshire and Hampshire, do you remember when I found, how can I put this, friendly, kid friendly, when I found um, a lump on one of my marbles, do you remember? Yes, I remember you had to go to the doctor and... Uh... No, no, I went to the doctor and then he sent me to the Royal Berkshire Hospital. And I was sat in the waiting room and I was so nervous. I'd had this lump on my... My on marble pouch. On my marble pouch for some time and I was, I was a little bit concerned. Um, and I was really nervous. So they, I was just sat in the reception of the hospital waiting to go in and the door kept opening and this female nurse kept coming out and I was like, please, no, don't be her, don't be her. It was her. Right. And, and she, she came out, she went, Mr. Fox. I said, yeah, I'm here. And I'm like, oh, good Lord, I don't know what to experience it. And she took me into the, the cubicle area and she put, closed the door, blah, blah, blah. And they had 210FM uh, on. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, we've been talking about it on the show in the morning that I was going to hospital. <laughs> now, I don't know how this woman's brain computed th- the situation, because she thought the best time to ask me if I was Foxy off the breakfast show was when she was copying me marbles, right? (laughs) So she's like, I mean, she could have asked me as soon as I walked in, but no, she's like, Mr. Foxy, if you could just remove your trousers and your pants and lay on that table there, please. And then she's copying me marbles and then she went, can I ask? And I was like, yeah, she went, are you Foxy off the breakfast show on 210FM? Not now! Somewhere in the world, there
1: is a nurse that can say, I've cupped Foxy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> She's got that on her little name badge. I want to cup Foxy. Right, play a jingle. I want to talk about wedding anniversary gifts.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Julie and Foxy Ono. No, Foxy and
2: Julie the podcast. Right, so... My a...
1: kids think that jingle's hilarious. Do they really? Yeah. Well, can
2: I just say, before we get on to... Um... Julian
1: Foxiano, honestly, it drives... They, can... they cannot believe that's comedy right there to a six and four-year-old. So,
2: this is really weird. You and I were talking on the phone. I was driving back from a place I was doing some work... We'd finished our conversation, and you said, "Oh, my wife might be at your house." And I was like, "Okay, that's a bit random." Cause yeah, we she li- was stopping in to see Leanne. Yeah, so she we lived just outside Droitwich, and she was in Malvern, and they were, she was driving back. Anyway, so I, I pulled up on my driveway, and I was I was, <laughs> it was it was like I was some kind of A-list superstar because your kids were so excited to see me. <laughs> well, because because the only time <laughs> they ever foxy! the only time they ever hear you
1: is on the radio, because we haven't seen each other. Because of lockdown, yeah. it's been ages until we, me and you only get together like this occasionally to record things, but otherwise, they only hear you on the radio. So to them, you are a superstar. Was,
2: can they not be there every time I come home? Because it was amazing.
1: <laughs> Didn't they clear you out of ice cream as well? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And I sent you a message saying, your kids have just eaten my ice creams, and you replied with something quite rude. But let's move on. I want to talk about really bad wedding anniversary gifts when okay. you celebrate your wedding anniversary, do you buy Jen a gift?
1: Now, we, we, I, I'm, I'm notoriously bad, and I'm guessing that Jen maybe wants this to change, but we've been together for so long that we don't. The only thing that we maybe do is like we'll, we'll go out and have a night together if we can, if we can get people to look after the kids. But no, no is the, is the short answer. Um,
2: it was last year when uh, Leanne and I um, celebrated our wedding anniversary. She got me a laser level. I mean, nothing saves love like being able to measure bricks. That's kind of I struggle enough with birthday presents. So to add another layer of present
1: giving, it's just, it's just too much for my brain.
2: Now, um, my mate Lee, uh, can we just both salute, please, my mate Lee, who um, he celebrated his 20th wedding anniversary with his lovely wife, Sarah, and they're very good friends of ours and we love them a lot. And he thought, and this is a biggie, 20 years is a biggie, mm. you know, and you think, well, do you know what? That is a milestone. Even if you don't buy uh, a yearly gift.
1: I've got to say with Jen, actually, if I don't get her a card, that is a much bigger yeah. deal than not getting the presents. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I, I, and I don't know what you're about to say that he got her as a gift. And I'm going to guess oh. it's, it's not a Lamborghini. No,
2: <laughs> far from it, mate.
1: But yeah, no card equals no fun time.
2: (laughs) So Lee, in his ultimate wisdom, thought the best thing to buy his wife to celebrate their 20 years of marriage was a mini chopping block shaped like a piece of toast with a couple of holes just indented into the wood just so you can put some eggs on there. (laughs) Not only that, it says, Sarah... You're a good egg on it, right? And then on the back, there's a little note from Lee. And this is 20 years' marriage. And it reads, You are an extra special woman, Sarah. I'm lucky to have you. Love you forever, Lee. <laughs> Lee, I salute you, brother. Foxy and Giuliano, the podcast. podcast. I hope it's good. I hope I'm good. Right, Chrissy, worst present you've ever received?
3: I've got two kids that are both aged a blind. And when they're about three, four, my stepmother... She brought
2: them books to read. Oh my God.
3: My kids read
2: Braille. Oh, Chrissy. Wait, right, Chrissy. You
3: can laugh. How oh, laugh. Laugh. Oh, can we laugh? <laughs>
2: I'm going to be honest with you. you oh my, I, I started taking my clothes off. I was sweating that much there, Chrissy. I didn't know whether <laughs> to laugh or cry.
3: Hang on.
2: No, 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 no. She did know, did she? Oh, she knew. Oh my. Bless her. But, oh
3: my hang God. on. There's more to it.
1: There's oh, more good.
3: to it than it. This can go on for a good hour. My ex-husband, she brought what we thought were car mats. You know, the ones that go in the car and you thought, well... Yeah. She brought my (laughs) doormat.
1: Yeah. It sounds like this isn't deliberate. These are just very unfortunate mistakes. No,
3: no, this still carries on to this day.
1: Has anyone ever told her that, like, that, you know, Braille would have been the way forward?
2: Well, yes, I did. Okay, good. I'm going to be honest, I don't know where to go with this. I just feel like I'm really... It's...
3: This, this, this ain't half of it, right? I had bottles of rum that I've been drunk out of. <laughs> I don't drink rum, I can't stand it. Yeah. She brought me ashtrays, which we don't smoke. Pillar <laughs>
2: cases, so odd.
1: I, I'm going to be honest, Chrissy. you had me at Braille. Foxy
2: and Giuliano, the podcast. Charles Foxy, you are all right, my love? Hello, Foxy. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Not bad. Yeah, not yes, bad. I do
0: really miss you both on oh. uh, BRMB in the morning.
2: Well, like, we miss, we miss talking to people on BRB as well. But um... <laughs> they won't give us a job, Michelle. They won't give us a job. The swines. <laughs> right, Michelle. Worst
1: presents could be anniversary, could be birthday, could be anything. I, I don't have to sort of define it that detailed to you. I'm sure you can work out what a worst present is.
0: <laughs> Definitely.
1: What's your story? Thought, what have you got for us?
0: One Christmas, my partner decided that it would be a good idea to buy me some aerating shoes. Some... So apparently I opened this present and my face was a picture as if to say, what is this? And It's this type of shoes that you put on underneath your own shoes and she thought it would be a good idea to buy them me because then when I took the dogs up the garden, I could also aerate. The, the lawn. So,
1: so, wait a minute. You've got a set of shoes that have got like what super long spikes on them.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you slip them on. So,
1: you slip on the secondary outer layer shoe with spikes yeah. on them.
0: Yeah. And
1: then you walk along your lawn
0: and aerate the lawn.
2: <laughs>
1: Good lord. <laughs>
2: she, that, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> he's was? a brave man, isn't he, Michelle?
0: Brave woman, actually.
2: Brave woman. <laughs> New World Foxy. <laughs> Sorry, ignorant pig. Slap my hand. Sorry about that. She's a brave woman, Michelle. Tell me more.
0: She, she was a brave woman, but unfortunately that didn't work because our um, lawn, the soil in it's the concrete. Is quite clayey. No, it's not concrete. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you either got your foot stuck in it and you couldn't move your foot, or you'd up a great big clump of grass underneath your foot.
1: <laughs> so it looked just like a dinosaur had been walking through there or something, exactly. just great clods of...
0: Yeah,
2: there's a reason you've never heard of them because they don't work. Oh, Michelle, that is brilliant. Great story. Thank you, Michelle. Have a lovely day. Thanks very much for being on the podcast. Take care.
0: Take care. Goodbye. Bye, bye. And now, because radio wouldn't have them,
2: Foxy and Giuliano,
1: the podcast. It's a podcast.
2: Should we move on to our guest? Let's get our guest on. On this podcast, this fine, soon-to-be award-winning podcast.
1: Don't say that. Why? Well, because I'm not even going to enter it for an award, and I know you're not, so... I can't be bothered, mate. There we go.
2: <laughs> All right, it's time for our guest. And do you know what? Every podcast that we do, we want to get on people that we find are interesting and just amazing people and people that we think you'll love as well. I, I,
1: I think the next person you're going to hear from, uh, Keith Mason's his name, I think you're going to find him an inspiration. If you've been through tough times, he's amazing. He's got some great stories about Mickey Rourke. He's mates with him. And we'll cover everything in between that. So which is... just
2: mention the words, the naughty.
1: Yes, so. The naughty words. We've already recorded the interview. There might be a couple of naughty words in there. We try to take them out most of the time, and we try to never use any naughty words in this podcast.
2: Oh, get... <laughs>
1: <laughs> but we're aware that you might be listening with the, with your children. So there might be the odd... It's not going to be many, but there might be the odd one or two naughty words. And we wanted to give you a word of warning before you get
2: started. Do you know what? We're parents as well. Your kids have already heard them. One man. Ex rugby league star. Three Challenge Cup finals. Never quite cut the mustard to play for the mighty Hulkingston Rovers, but we'll overlook that for now. <laughs> he then went on to appear in the star film Skin Traffic alongside Mickey Rock and Daryl Hanna. And it's also been in Peaky Blinders. But now he's ready to go up a level. Keith Mason! Keith! <laughs> Keith, talk to me, why did you never sign for the Rovers? Wow, that was quite an introduction. Uh... <laughs> talk to me, why not?
4: Oh, uh, listen, I, had, I actually had a few uh, a few chances to sign for LKR oh, back in the day. Don't tell me that. <laughs> Yeah. But I always thought I always thought the black and whites were a bit better. No, Keith.
1: <laughs> for That's, anyone who doesn't understand oh, rugby league, who oh, are the black and whites? What what, what
2: Keith's done that whole Hull, Hull FCs so the two teams and what Keith's yeah. done there is he's walked back about 10 steps and then ran at me and kicked me right in the ghoulies <laughs> 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 Oh mate, it's an uh, absolute play. It's nice to have a, a fellow prop as well. I used to play prop, but obviously not to your level, I mean, but um, oh, uh, man. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, rugby league. It's such an amazing sport which uh, not a enough people are watching around the country.
1: Yeah. Do you know what, Keith? There's so many things to talk about with you. There's this incredible love story, which we're going to get onto with your missus, because it's just an incredible story. Uh, You've gone from rugby league superstar, and not just here, in Australia as well, Um, and you're mates with Mickey Rourke. And I just wondered, how the hell does, how do you you become mates with Mickey Rourke and end up in films from rugby league? (laughs)
4: <laughs> well, that's a quiet story, yeah. I mean, obviously we played, I played in a, a Challenge Cup final back in 2009. Uh, we, I was playing for Huddersfield then, we played Warrington, and uh, we just lost to Warrington. We were the favourites in that final, and, and obviously after the game, you know, you go back to the hotel, uh, we were staying at Park Lane, and then uh, a guy a guy called Christy Welling got us an invite to... Uh, a bar. Uh, it was 2009, so it was the year that Mickey Rourke made his comeback and I was just stood in, the, stood in this bar. I was stood with a kid called Scott morning and then I seen Mickey Rourke walk in and I recognised him. He had a waistcoat and he walked past me and he had all those rippling muscles and stuff and I thought, that's Mickey Rourke? <laughs> so I just I went downstairs and I saw his bodyguard, Derek, a black guy, and I said, oh, you know, can I say hello to Mickey? Because obviously, you know, he's a film star and stuff and he don't want people coming up to pester him. And he says, yeah, yeah, sure, mate. He goes, what's your name? He goes, oh, my name's Keith. And so I walked over to him. Uh, we all had this Challenge Cup suit on, so we had, like, a grey suit, black shirt, black tie. I goes, hey, Mickey, nice to meet you, mate. Uh, I really enjoyed your film, The Wrestler. And he says, oh, thanks, man." And I goes, because well, with that film kind of like your life, you know, you, you had it all and you lost it all. I don't know why I even said that, but... <laughs> That's pretty you know, brave, Aki. <laughs> yeah. And he looked at me and he went... <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Kid, he goes. He goes, What are you, man? Are you a gangster? I went. No, no, Mickey. I'm. I'm just. Uh, I've been playing rugby today. We played at Wembley. He goes, man. I love rugby. I watched the game. He goes. I watched the game today on TV in my hotel room. I goes. That was probably our game. He goes. I think so. Wembley. Yeah. He goes. Yeah. He goes. Great. And then the next minute, he started buying me drinks. And then he came over to me. and He goes, Hey, kid. Give me your number. I went. What? He went. Give me your number. To give you number to my uh, PA, stylish Jack, and so. I was like, wow, this is bizarre. So I give me number. I took Mickey's number, put Mickey's number in my phone. He goes, because what about where are you going to be in two weeks? I goes, uh, well, season's got to continue, so we'll probably play. And he goes, well, listen, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna invite you down to the GQ Awards, uh, and I'll get you an hotel and stuff. So I don't know what the GQ Awards is. Obviously, it's, it's a it's a yearly event, you know where all the stars go there and yeah. So <laughs> I went down. I went down there, and it was a it, it was a school night. You know, we we were training the next day, but I couldn't not miss this opportunity to go and mix with the stars. So I went down there. He got me an hotel at the Knightsbridge, Knightsbridge, uh, Harry in London, and uh, I walked in and he got me two nights in this hotel. I went down with, with my with my friend, I walked in there, and I says, "Oh, I'm Mickey, I'm under Mickey Rock, and he's booked me an hotel room." And so she pulled the bill out, and he goes, "Yeah, it's four fifty a night." I went. <laughs> <laughs> so I looked, I looked in the and and goes, oh, we're not going to be able to. We can't. <laughs> Fucking hell. We've come a lot. We've, we've, we've come a pretty long way to. to uh put a bill on me, 450 quid. She goes, Oh, no, 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 no worries. He's already, he's already paid for. You. you got two nights, so that's it. I thought, Wow. Here's Mick. Keith, We you, sh- uh, you on your phone looking at Travel Lodges? Oh. <laughs> no, I just had this sinking feeling. Sinking <laughs> feeling, man. I thought. Four hundred fifty quid. I uh, oh, don't worry about it. it's paid for, sir. Great. So we stayed in the hotel. I went over to, uh, I think it was a Royal Opera. Uh, Royal, I can't say it, in my Yorkshire man. A Royal Opera House, uh, Covent Garden. Beautiful. Yeah. So I went there and uh, as Mickey's guest, and we walked in and we had all these free drinks and stuff. And then uh, I remember uh, Mickey got the Man of the Year award and Jason Stephen giving the giving the award. So. I was stood upstairs and I brought my shirt for Mickey. I signed a shirt, my plain shirt for him. And then I then I saw the the elevator coming up and I saw Guy Ritchie coming up and I thought this is this is not that, man. This is bizarre. Yeah. Uh, so Guy Ritchie walked past me and he goes, "Hey mate, you alright?" i went "Yeah, not bad, pal." Uh, and then Eva Mendes comes straight past him and I was like, "Jaw to the floor." <laughs> oh uh, and then and then the jackson brothers jackson five passed me. i thought what the hell and then and then boys Long came past me and i thought nah, i just can't be real and then mickey came up mickey were coming up and he, mickey came up and he goes hey keith kid and he gave me high fives and stuff he gave me a girl, i gave him a shirt and then right behind him with jason stave and he goes oh keith mate I a lot about you mate we're gonna have a good time and i thought well wow, this is even getting better uh, <laughs> So, you know, we had an amazing night, me, Jason and Mickey Rourke. Uh, you know, we found a little corner in Covent Garden and we had all these people around us. And that's how we kind of uh, struck up. And then a couple of weeks later, Mickey flew me out to, to New York and uh, we did became friends. And, you know, ultimately, we, we created The Welshman, which is a, a film script about uh, Gareth Thomas. Wow. And, uh, okay. I didn't know this bit. Go on. I was, I was pitching to, to Mickey, you know, you shouldn't make a film about <clears throat> rugby league. Uh, because listen, kid, I understand what he's saying, but it needs to be an, a, an original story. And he was a massive fan of the sport in life, and sport in life. Uh, obviously, Richard Harris was a good friend of Mickey, uh, the phenomenal actor. And I know that I believe they, they filmed uh, sport in life at Batley and Wakefield grounds. Uh, but it was a, a great story, and I could see where Mickey he didn't want to make a film just about sport; it had to have a story to it. And uh, you know, one day he just gave me a call. He goes, "I've got his movie, kid." <laughs> I goes, what's that? Mickey goes, what's that Welsh kid called? That Welsh kid who's just come out of the closet, turned gay. Gareth Thomas. He went, yeah. Can you get in touch with him? And can you just tell him that, you know, Mickey wants to play him in a movie? Can we have his rights? So I rang Brian Noble. Uh, I got Gareth's uh, number, Gareth Thomas's number. I rang Gareth up. I goes, hey, uh, Gareth, it's it's Keith Mason, mate. I've played against you a few times. Uh, Mickey Rock wants to make a film about you. (laughs) (laughs) He He went right quiet (laughs) <laughs> I went, Gareth. Gareth, he goes, I can't bloody believe it. Are you, being, are you being serious, Keith? I went, Well, I'm serious as whatever Mickey told me to tell you, bro. And uh, he just kind of left from there. Then, a couple of weeks, I think it was about two months after that, Mickey had put a draft together. Uh, I'd helped him with the script, you know, with the background and how players are and, you know, the camar- camaraderie. And I uh, actually had a role for that film. And uh, we met Gareth in, in London, uh, me, Mickey. Gareth, um, I took my mum to the, to the last ever Johnny from Ross show, which had Mickey on there, David Beckham and Jackie Chan. And I went, I know, tell me about it. Uh,
2: <laughs> the thing is, Keith, it from, sounds like you're making it up. Yeah,
4: you're from Dewsbury, like this doesn't happen, is does it? <laughs> no, the, 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 there's so many stuff I can't talk about, but anyway. <laughs> but, you know, you know, for Mickey, you know, coming to my life and, uh, you know, eventually you give me the call and says, you want to be in a film? uh skin traffic and you know and do you want to be playing my henchman oh and also kid you've got some lines mm. and I thought mm-hmm. wow uh yeah sure Mickey and that was the school night as well I was I was playing rugby so I had to just uh, you know kind of tell the coach at the time was Daryl Powell at Castleford that you know I was I, I was ill uh but <laughs> you know <laughs> but like like you said fellas you know it doesn't happen to Many people, and uh, you know, I think Mickey first and foremost liked me as a person. I, I remember him telling me the night that I met him, he, he had an arm wrestling competition with some of the players, and it's a very well known <laughs> arm wrestling competition. And one of the one of our team, one of my teammates, was 18 and a half stone. Snapped his bicep off the bone. <laughs> uh, snapped Mickey's bicep off, off. No. The bone, sort of. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. If you, you look at him. He's always got like a, a band on his on his right or left arm. Uh, <laughs> so basically you know that night he said goodbye to his bicep uh, but I did say to you know Mickey Mickey actually I, I, I went up to Mickey straight after the, I didn't realise because Mickey was drinking the tequilas and uh, I goes Mickey let me have a go he went oh no kid man I've just busted up my bicep and then obviously he'd really busted up and uh, he, never, he never were able to get it fixed uh, but it was so weird because in a short space of time Mickey was like one minute he was giving me his number, then the next minute he was stood in front of me and he started crying his eyes out. like he had tears in his eyes. And, I, and his bodyguard was in the middle of us. He was talking to him and, he, and I says, you know what, what's up with Mickey, is he all right? And he says, no, nah, he just said that you remind him of his brother. Oh, wh- I, goes, oh that. I goes, yeah, I goes, well, wow, that's nice. Where is he? And he, goes, and he just pointed up like, you know, he's in, he's in heaven. And uh, that was Joe Rock, and I'll never forget that. You know, wow. he said that I, I reminded him of the way I was and how I looked and stuff, and uh, I, I, you know, thinking back, I think, you know, did this, this guy take me under his wing because, you know, I reminded him of, of Joe. Uh, so, yeah, and then he, you know, he flew me out to Beverly Hills a couple of times, you know, I've stayed out in Sunset Marquee there where all the rock stars stay. Uh, I stayed down at Rodeo Drive, uh, one street down from there, uh, Camden Drive, Beverly Hills. I went there for about about two weeks. It's quite bizarre, fellas,
0: yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it it is. And in in one sense, you say these things don't happen to most people. And then, uh, you know, without blowing smoke up your backside, from the reading that I've done and the talking that I've done with you, you know, when we were lining up this interview, you're not like most people. And I don't just mean your athletic ability and stuff like that. You seem to have an attitude of a combination of no fear, so not saying no to anything, but also this iron will just not to give up, and maybe I've got that wrong, mm. because I know that early in your career, how many Super League teams turned you mm. down before you got your first professional gig?
4: Now, I always say, uh, you know, to kids and, and stuff, sometimes it's not your time, but if you're giving it the first hurdle, then it wasn't supposed to be for you, and uh, I think with me, you know, when I was a kid, I had a very troubled childhood, you know, I was in, I was in trouble a lot with the police and the law, and everything was going against me uh you know i grew up with a my mom was a wonderful person she's very strong but she she pretty much brought five kids up on her own and i was an handful because i think i was looking for attention as a young kid i was a talent as a rugby player but i was never i was never really focused because where i grew up you know there was a lot of kids with single parents and a lot of guy a lot of kids had a lot of time on their hands and we kind of you know ended a bit of a gang and i got in a lot of trouble and i uh i put my mom through a lot of stress and it wasn't till I was fourteen years of age. I went to Crown Court, and I could have gone to jail. I went to court over forty times as as a kid from ten to fourteen years of age. Uh, I never murdered anybody, by the way. Uh, (laughs) I I, I, I started started to sweat there, Keith. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But you know what? It's like a phase. You know, young kids go through a phase, and you know, I was kicked out of most of my schools. Uh, I wasn't a bad kid i just just uh, very hyperactive, you know, I like to mess about, and I couldn't focus on certain stuff, and I was, wasn't was a great pupil, uh, but I wasn't a, a bad kid, you know, I was, I was that type of kid who could look after himself, stick up for my mates, uh, didn't mind to have a scrap, have a fight, and I've always been a scrapper, I've always been a fighter, whether it being in a fight or being in life, and I think people saying to me, no, 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 you're not supposed to make it, just give me that drive inside, and going back to... Being knocked back by three Super League clubs. I turned my life around at 14. I came out of court. The two guys who I went to court with went to jail. And I knew that this was my last opportunity to to be somebody. And I had this desire, this drive, uh, that I wanted to be a professional rugby player. From that day and walking out, I thought, you know what, my mum has suffered so much. It's time for me to grow up now. And it's time for me to be who I was supposed to be in the first place. That very next day, I cut all my friends off. I started running every single day. Uh, I even used to train on Christmas Day for two hours, doing hill sprints and tackling a boxing bag on a rugby field. And uh, I believe them sacrifices I made, and and I cut all my friends off because you know a lot of my friends were getting up to no good, and you know smoking weed and stuff. And I just kind of found that drive and that desire, you know, not only to prove people wrong, but to prove me right that you know I deserve to be uh, somebody. And since since. Being a 14-year-old kid, turning my life around. I went to Jusby Mall. I got picked for Yorkshire, got picked for England Schoolboys. And then I was the, the only player out of the England Schoolboys squad who hadn't actually signed for, for, for a Super League team. Everybody else was signed. Wow. So I went to Bradford, did a trial there. Brian Noble said, you know, we're not going to sign you, Keith. We can offer you £50 a week for your bus fare. Uh, I decided not to, to, to do that. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Then I went to Castleford. Uh, Tommy Gleeson, was a coach for me at, at Yorkshire. I trialled there for about three months. Graham Steadman turned around and said, look, Keith, we're not going to offer your contracts. You know, that's two, two knockbacks, you know, yeah. yeah. from everything going really well for me, turning my life around to, uh, to having two knockbacks. Then I went to Leeds, uh, I trialled at Leeds. I was playing with, with Rob Burrow and uh, Matthew Diskin and Chev Walker. We had a really good team. Did the same thing there, guys. I used to get uh, about 32 buses a week. Uh, I used to get like four buses to Leeds, four buses back to Jewsbury, uh, three times a week, four times a week. I uh, did that for around six months, and then one day, uh, Dean Bell pulled me to one side and said, "Look, Keith, uh, we're not going to offer your contract. I just don't think you're a Super League player, and I don't think you'll ever play a Super League." Uh, so that's, why that's didn't not... so why didn't you give up at
1: that point? Three, not I mean, at two, I think most people would go. Do you know what? Because how enough. old you're? What about nineteen, twenty at this time? I'm guessing. I was 17. Oh, so you're 17. So mm. you're not quite in the stage where you have to start thinking about your career if, if, if sport doesn't work out, but, but you're mm. getting close to it. Like what makes you go for a, a third and, and another time
2: then?
4: Well, uh, if you think about where I came from, you know, there was no, go- there's no going back for me. You know, there was one good thing I was good at, and that's rugby. And there was nothing else pretty much that I was good at uh and i certainly want to work i wasn't a grafter because i tell you something i once went to work on a farm uh for a guy called billy man we was bailing rolling big bales all around a field with two of his sons who were like hillbillies and at the end of the day i came home to my mum i goes mum, i am not going there tomorrow i cannot work so I just threw everything. I just trained like a demon. I thought, please, I don't want to... D- no offence to people who work nine to five, because, you know, at the end of the day, they have to make a living. But it, it would just never... My fate was never for me to, to do a nine to five job. Uh, and so, but yeah. so, so was it
1: was it more fear of going back to something you didn't want to do? Or was it this innate belief that I just think I'm good enough?
4: Yeah, it w- it was both. You know, I okay. was running away. I was running away. I knew where I'd been, I didn't want to go back there. And that's what gave me the, the the drive. And then just having that, yeah, like I said, that belief and that discipline and, and that uh sacrifice. And, uh, you know, obviously the, the three clubs, Dean Bell turned around, it was Dean Bell, who was uh, ex-Wigan captain and New Zealand captain, turned around to me and said, look, I, I don't think you're going to, you're not a Super League player. And within this space of probably... 18 months after him saying that, I was on a plane to, to Australia, I just signed for Melbourne Storm. So not only was he <laughs> not, not only was he right about playing for a Super League, but <laughs> I wanted to play for a better competition NRL. <laughs> uh, so, you, you know, and, and the thing is, my advice to kids is just, just keep going. Anybody in life, you know, sometimes, if you want it bad enough, you just gotta keep going. Uh, and that's what life's all about. And, and I think I learned a lot from that failure, which is probably my most favorite failure because I could have either shrunk And disappeared and believed what he said i thought you know what i'm going to prove you wrong and somebody came to me and said look keith and it was it was a family member and they said just give it one last shot because i was going to quit give it one last shot go to wakefield they want you to trial for one game and they're very interested in signing you so i went to wakefield i trialed in a game john Arbin came to me was a coach then uh who actually signed Galaf uh, Galafelis around the sa- same time and, and Danny Bruff uh and Ben Westwood, we-, we all signed around the same time. Uh he-, he gave me my contract, my first contract, which were about five thousand pounds for for the year. But the fact that I'd hung in there yeah. and just hung in and hung in. And that someone believes in you as well. Someone believed in me, yeah. And if someone back then, if someone believed in me, I'd run through brick walls and uh the, the rest is history. You know, I played Super League uh, probably a couple of months after signing for Wakefield. So at 17, I was still 17, and within space of 18 months I, you know I went to Australia which is quite bizarre amazing
1: can I tell you that Faye might, I mean there's so many things to like about you again it sounds like I'm really brown nose okay you have
2: you've brown nose twice but now but I've, I've only <laughs> ever
1: spoken to Keith on the phone right he uh, when we're texting each other Miss Keith
2: he, rang the police so you don't go to his house
1: is no, that what it is he, <laughs> <laughs> Keith calls me brother on texts oh, which I love yeah 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 he also um, ends his texts with a love heart <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and but it's just that you that you're so positive and this sort of can do I'm not going to give up attitude and and we're skipping over a lot I mean we could talk to you for like 2 hours and I'm conscious of of, of your time and you've given us yeah. so much this morning but I just want to get into this 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 love story with mm. you and 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 your missus, Riona because yeah. uh, when we're talking about not giving up and what she's been through mm. and what you've been through together that's the greatest thing of, of all the achievements yeah. or I don't know if, it, if it, but just sticking in there mm. there's never been a better advert for sticking in there so just tell everyone so Riona came to you you were doing some personal training weren't you and she came to you because she, she she was really badly hurt
4: yeah so I retired and it was a big decision for me to walk away but you know what I had a vision fellas I did the skin traffic movie with Mickey Rock. I believe Mickey got about around £300,000 for a day's work, you know, and I looked at that, and he got oh, it in boy. cash, and I remember m- my good friend Joe Zaggy popping to the hotel where we were filming, and uh, Mickey goes, "Oh, hey Joe, can you just take this and put it in your bank, and I'll wire it over." And I was just thinking, three three hundred thousand pounds for a day, mm. and and you know the thing is, I got I got an opportunity to be in a film where people maybe worked ten to fifteen years to get that opportunity, yeah. so that's kind of what gave me the vision. To, to retire and obviously you've seen now guys I'm producing and, and you know i starting a number of films and yeah. TV now, uh, and what I did is I, I, I did my personal training while I was at Huddersfield all the players got a free course with with Premier, and when I retired I was just trying to you know stay in the gym and stay healthy and I've always been a guy who likes to help people if they're open to be helped, uh, you know and, Riona reached out to me said she had something wrong with her legs she didn't mention about being paralysed. And she says, "Could you could you help me?" I said, "Sure." She rocks up at gym and she, she pulls up and uh, she gets out of this Q seven and I, and I see these I'm stood at the of door and I see these sticks these crutches come out first and then I see her legs come out and then she's like struggling to shut the door and I says, "Are you sure you're going to be okay to train?" And she went, "Yeah." I forgot to tell you, Keith, uh, I had a spinal stroke and I'm paralyzed from the waist down, so. I was taken aback, the fact that she turned up, and she wanted to work out, was something that struck with me from day one. Yeah. Uh, it was it was admirable. So I'm not a doctor, and I've never worked with anybody who was paralysed, and I thought, wow, I like her attitude, and you know, for me, I'm an optimist. So we went into the gym. Uh, we worked around a, her injury. So we sat down on a bum and we did some pulleys and stuff and. You know, the fact that she was telling me about what had happened to her. You know, she was only 34, she, she was a school teacher. she was a fitness addict, and then one day she works in, wakes up in hospital after having a spinal stroke uh, and being told that she never walk again. You know, for anybody that's, you know, it's, well, I, I couldn't I couldn't imagine it. It's heartbreaking, but, isn't it? You, you, you don't, you, your yeah. life has completely changed. Exactly, yeah, just overnight. And uh, so I trained her, and then over time, you know, we started building the strength up and stuff and then it went from you know doing upper body stuff to doing her first step and then we actually did a squat together and a lot of her weight was on my shoulder but the fact that she got back up she just burst out crying and uh, (laughs) I nearly burst out crying you know and then it became more than just me training somebody I was really really helping somebody on this journey uh, to get her back on her feet and and to be honest with you guys it was very professional it wasn't we wasn't in love or anything like that it wasn't like oh wow you know because i think she was split up but you know she had four children uh, she'd been through a lot and the last thing on my mind was oh she's lovely i want to take her out in a day it was nothing like that so over eight 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 weeks of training i helped to take her first step i helped to do the first squat and then one day she gave me a call and said look keith you know i've had advice from my from the physios, and the physios recommend that I just uh, take my foot off the pedal a little bit. And I just turned around and said, you know what? Uh, no worries, Riona. I wish you all the best, and uh, you know, stay in touch. So I didn't, She's she just fine. So I didn't see, I didn't hear from her for about two or three months, and then I saw something on Facebook. The message was quite, you know, she, she sounded down. And I thought, you know what, I'm gonna reach out to her. And uh, I sort of reached out to her, because I, hey, Riona, you're all right, uh, you know, I'm, Hope you're doing okay. I've just seen a post on Facebook and that, you know, if you ever want to go for a chat or a coffee or anything, I'm you know, I'm up for that. And she took me up on that. So we actually went for a coffee. I think it was that same night. We just got on. We had a lot in common. You know, we spoke about faith because we're very, you know, we're into we're religious and, you know, we have faith in, in in God. And a lot of other things we were speaking about. And she said to me that you, you got me hook, line and sinker that night because I just fell in love. I just kind of fell for you. And, uh, we just became friends then, and then became friends, obviously we became partners. And then over time, you know, we, we've overcome so much. We, d- we went viral a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, she was making enormous strides, and then she, she suffered a second stroke, which was devastating.
1: Now, this is the bit that got me. And, and from, the, from, from the reading I was doing, am, am I right in thinking to you that after that, that, that second relapse, yeah. she, she, she can't walk again? She, the recovery's gone back. I don't know if it's back to zero, but certainly gone back a, a long way. Did she, yeah. did she say to you, look, if, if you want to leave, it's OK?
4: Yeah, she did actually say that, yeah. Uh, it was New Year's Eve, uh, 2018. I was on the bed watching TV, watching a movie with the kids. And then one of the kids, she was in the, the kids' bedroom. And she went, oh, oh Keith, Keith, mummy, m- mummy, she can't stand up straight. So straight away, because I'm very worried uh, with Riona, she has a problem, I'm very, you know, cautious. and uh, So I ran in there and she was hunched over and her back was like horizontal. And I tried picking her up and straightening her back out and she couldn't straighten it out. She goes, I thought, there's something wrong with me, I don't know what it was. And her right leg went limp. And my heart sunk. And I've never been, I've never seen somebody have a stroke before. Uh, you know, I don't wish it on anybody. Uh, I brought her into the bedroom, I laid her on the bedroom. and. We rang the ambulance. She was just disintegrating all the right hand, right side of her body just went limp. The right side of her face went was sloping down. Uh, it was just a nightmare. Uh, you know, I got on my hands and knees. I was praying, I was crying. And I was just saying to God, please don't take her, please, 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 please. And, and the stepdaughter there, and uh, Diane, who was a friend of ours, she was there and I was trying to keep her awake. And I was so angry because the ambulance couldn't find our house. And I kept on ringing him. I said, "You need to get here now. You need to get here." And she was, she nearly died, guys. You know. And yeah. if I wasn't in her ear, keeping her awake, she was like, "I just want to go to sleep. I just want to go to sleep." No, 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 baby. You got to stay awake. And uh, it was awful, you know. And everything we gained were gone. All the it was gone. Uh, all the progress we made just went overnight. Uh, I had to stay strong. I had to stay strong. So the recovery had to start all over again. I had a uh, priest coming in to pray around her. I had elders coming to pray around her. Uh, we didn't know w- what the extent was. What, what it, was it MS, was it a spinal stroke? Uh, the doctors didn't know. And, I'd, and I went there every single day. I dropped the kids off at school. I picked the kids up. I pretty much you know bathed my missus. I washed her every single day. Uh, she couldn't move any part of her body. And I just laid next. Asked our next door. used to read to her. She'd come in. To her, she would be sleeping. So I'd just read a book while she was sleeping. And then it was about uh, a week and a half after she started moving. Her started moving her arms and stuff. Cause all the right side of her body. I mean, the right side of her face is numb. She can't feel it anymore. You want you want to believe it by you know seeing us on on TikTok and stuff, but.
1: Well, I was gonna say because all the stuff. So people, can you follow you on TikTok and on Instagram? And the recovery is, go- is going well, then, is it? Since then? Seems like it.
4: The recovery was great. You know, she was fine. She was pretty much walking unaided. She could jump. Uh, you know, we wanted to run. And I think with a, a culmination of it being Christmas, very stressful for anybody. But if you put a lot of stress on your body when you've had a stroke and you can't feel your legs, it's extra. And uh, all her gains are lost. So, I, you know, I said to her, this is what I said to her, guys. She was semi conscious. I goes, listen, baby. This year is going to be the best year of our lives. This setback's not gonna it's not gonna finish us. We're gonna rise back up, and we're gonna we're gonna have the best year ever. Okay, you listening to me? And she's like nodding her head. I says, we're going to Chicago in 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 four weeks time, because we were scheduled to go to uh, to Chicago to a big uh, Hollister Incorporated, which is a massive medical facility, and they wanted Rihanna to go over there to do a a motivational speech to to the company. Yeah. And because this happened, 99% we wasn't going. But I wasn't accepting that. And I wasn't, because we'd come so far, and I says, we're gonna get out of this bread, and we're gonna go to Chicago, and you're gonna blow them away. And that's exactly what we did. You couldn't write it. And she actually spoke to 500 employees in a wheelchair, on the stage, in Chicago. And I was behind her, sat next to her, filming her. And she spoke for 20 minutes, and there was, you could hear the pin drop. And then she finished the speech, and they all riz. and it was like a five-minute version. It was fucking unbelievable.
1: Oh, man. Do, do you know what? Like, on, honestly, the pair of you are such an inspiration. I don't know, millions of people have watched you on TikTok anyway. But for anyone yeah. who is listening and who has gone through adversity of, of of any kind, honestly, go and look at this guy's page. Go and look at Riona's page and what they're doing together, because you will just feel better. Where can they follow you, both, Keith?
4: Well, you can get me on my Instagram, which is. Uh, keith mason underscore official uh same with riona riona kelly underscore official uh tiktok you can get me at keith Luke mason and that's where guys i've had tiktok for four months i've got half a million followers on there (laughs) uh so yeah seriously and uh you know hey you're a good dancer (laughs) (laughs) yeah do you know what man i've just he's kind of brought my youth back out in me and all these funny (laughs) videos i thought you know what i'm gonna give it a go and let rip uh, but people, you know, people are all over the world. It's unbelievable. Guys, That we get thousands of messages every single day saying, you've changed my life. You've saved my life. You've made me get up off my arse and start running and start walking. Uh, you know, you, and, and you know what, guys? This is five years in the making. We've only just come out. We did the Lorraine show last week. We did the one show last night, the BBC One show. Uh, a story went out of Lab Bible and uh, BBC and... Uh, yeah, people are ringing us up now, wanting to do book deals and wanting to write us film. It's quite bizarre, you know. We've just gone, we've become like household names overnight. Uh, but I'd like to think that you know our story is about perseverance and uh, love and uh, and never giving up. You know, we're not about you know look at the house I've got, look how I look, because that's what you see a lot of that on, on social media. What we what we present is just realness, real life overcoming.
1: You do look good though, Keith.
4: Oh thank you. Good <laughs> Lord.
1: He's,
2: he's a married man. You're both want to back of, it off. both
1: of them. Both of them. We can't just go his missus is
4: good looking, he'll something. me <laughs> No, it's fine. It's all right guys. I'm not I'm not a jealous type. Just don't say she's that good looking. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, can I just ask you one
2: more question, <coughs> and it's, it's rugby-based as well. Um, of course, mate. Please tell me you body slammed Earl Crabtree because, of course, his dad was his, his dad was Big Daddy, isn't he? <coughs> well, Earl, we,
4: we used to call Earl Long because he's very long and tall. He is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you, ne- you never think when you speak to he's the nicest guy you can meet. But when you speak to him, he's got the, like the highest pitched voice ever. Has he? Uh, <laughs> well, he's got yeah. You don't mind me saying, Earl. But uh, do you know? Do you know? The thing is. Uh, you know, I was a front rower at, at Huddersfield for seven years and I was, I was always a starting front rower and Earl, most of the time, used to come off the bench. And I, I remember Earl, I think he said in an interview, he said, I wouldn't be the player if it wasn't for Keith. Oh, uh, amazing. You know, because Earl, Earl was like, you know, he, he, did, he did become a starting front rower, but as an impact player... You know, when everybody's tired, you, you see this guy six foot seven <laughs> running at <laughs> Absolutely like, "Oh, I can't be I can't <laughs> be bothered with this guy, Jesus Christ. Big daddy, give us a rest. <laughs> uh but, yeah,
2: so. Keith, um, thank you so much for speaking to us for our podcast. We can't uh, we can't thank uh, you enough. It's uh it's an absolute inspiration. I've just I've just sat here and just let you talk and it's it, it, amazing. Honestly, yeah, that, I mean I,
1: and can you pass on our best to Riona as well? I don't know if she's there with you, but like, you know, yeah. it, it's It's just it's just a fabulous story to be able to share with everyone because it does make a difference to people, especially, Do you know, it would at any time. But, you know, through the through being getting through lockdown and all this Corona rubbish, you know, um, I I think it's an extra inspiration and and we just can't thank you both enough.
4: Oh, guys. uh, No, I really appreciate that. I think, you know, we've been a a breath of fresh air for people. Uh, throughout this lockdown, and uh, you know we'll we'll continue to to overcome. In in fact, guys, uh, we're actually going to do a ten day challenge, uh, ten miles a day, which will cover a hundred miles, which is four marathons. Uh, me and Riona are going to be walking. I'll be pushing her, she'll be pushing herself in the. But it's all for a great cause. We're going to raise money for Riona, uh, raise money for the Stroke Association, and raise money for Motor Neuron Disease. Because only last week, uh, Rob rubber came into my house, and I give him some of my Project Mason CBD products. And by the time he left my house, he was speaking better, he was walking better. And his dad, Jeff, uh, he actually messaged me, which was probably the best message I've had in a very, very long time. He said, Look, Keith, this has probably been the best day we've had since Rob was diagnosed. And uh he's so happy and his dad texts me every couple of every couple of days now to tell me about his progress and he said that he's standing up better, he's walking better, and he's talking better. And that to me is um, You know what, me and Rihanna have helped so many people, and we are in a very blessed situation to not only impact people in England, but impact people all over the world. And I think, you know, for me, one of my greatest, greatest achievements is is helping Rihanna walk again. Yeah. I'll
2: tell you what, bad boy from Dewsbury, have done very well, mate. Do you,
1: know, do you know what, bad boy from Dewsbury, okay? Obviously, he's obviously still got the Dewsbury accent, but... You've gone
2: a bit movie. I can hear some American coming through there,
4: Keith. Oh, you've got to, you've got to pick up the twangs, fellas. You know, you've to, you've, you, you know it's, like, it's like a flea. You just pick up stuff, don't you? Keith Mason, thank you very much for your time. Take care. Absolute pleasure, guys. Thank Take you care, so much. Ladies and gentlemen. Foxy and
1: Giuliano,
2: Giuliano. The podcast. Right then, Giuliano. Let's play Port Balls. Oh. Don't mess this up, Juliana.
1: I know. We're going for a live jingle. We're uh, going for a live sing.
2: We've, we've practiced this so many
1: times. Watch your message. Tell this me up? when.
2: All right, I will. Not now. Not now. You ready? Yeah. You ready?
1: One, two, three, four. Pork balls, pork balls. Pork pork balls, balls get your pork balls. balls. Will you be our caller? From all of our calls, pork balls, pork balls. Get your pork
2: balls. Get the number right and, and we'll get, get your pop tonight.
3: tonight. Yo, Almost so there. So close, so close. Zach,
2: how are you? Oh, I'm great now that I've heard that. Okay. in the wind blow high, when the wind blow low, walking through the streets I go, all the lasses say hello. Zach, where's your cruises? Oh, I forgot them. It's <laughs> after you don't bring your cruises. Hang on, whereabouts are you now, Zach?
3: I'm in uh, Walsall, West Midlands.
2: Okay, and where are you're you from originally? I'm here in Glasgow, there, Zach.
3: Nah, we are we just a bit to the north from from here.
2: Yeah, I've been to Botlands in here.
3: That's nice. Big
2: <laughs> Tara. Yeah, I've been there, mate. That's the time my mum bought me a red jacket, and everyone kept asking me what time the ping pong was on. That is the god's <laughs> honest truth, back, Zach. Well, tell me about yourself, Zach. What what do you do for a living? Tell us about your family. What's going on?
3: Uh, well, I'm out of work right now. COVID-19, I lost my job. Um, oh,
1: I'm sorry to hear that, Zach.
3: Same as most of us in the country right now, isn't it, really? Yeah. Um, partner works on a COVID-19 board for a local hospital. Wow. Um, got two sons. We're, we're in the middle of moving, so wow. busy weekend.
2: Oh,
1: well, do you know what? Your partner, what's what's their name? Crystal. Crystal.
3: She loves listening to
1: you guys. Oh, Aww. bless you. Crystal, we salute you. You are doing, like, jokes aside, we're trying to keep it light all the time. Honestly, thank you for doing everything that you're doing.
2: Yeah, good on you, good on you. Oh, right then, Zach, off, let's yeah. try. This will put a smile on your face, mate. Let's try and play pay for your uh, Chinese takeaway tonight. Zach, this is your chance to win a takeaway up to the
1: value of £20 sterling on us, OK? Great. All you have to do is guess what number pork balls are on the menu of the Chinese restaurant that we've called. If you get it right, you get the pork tonight.
3: i see 104.
2: Oh, he's gone straight in there. Okay,
1: whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, whoa. No,
2: no, no kissing, no cuddling, but straight in for the action there.
1: All right, Tex. <laughs> <laughs> Shooting from the hip.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we well, Scottish,
1: we don't muck about. Uh, yeah, okay, right, okay, yes, right. so Zach, what's your What's your thinking here? What's your strategy? I don't
3: have one. I just like they just go straight into it, okay. see a number, fly out.
1: So what we tend to do is overplay how much strategy, because of course there is no strategy. You're guessing a number. Um, yeah. where, where, at your local, what number is pork balls? I think it's one
3: fourteen.
1: Okay, one hundred fourteen. And so and so the number you're going for is? one oh four. One oh four. I mean we've got to ask you, Zach. It's a big decision. There's a Chinese takeaway riding on this. Well
3: I've got to buy it anyway. If I don't want it then they kept on forcing me to buy it, so okay. they get it either way.
1: Okay, so okay. is that your final answer?
3: That's my final answer. Sticking with it.
1: You are sticking with it, okay. Let's lock in that answer, Foxy.
2: That's the locked-in sound effect. OK, Zach, we wish you the best of luck. Nice down. Let's play the call to the Chinese takeaway.
0: Hello, Wing Chinese
2: takeaway? Hi there, mate. Uh, I just wondered, could you tell me what number your pot balls are on your takeaway menu, please? Uh, 91. 91 at the end was that do yeah, you say 91 yeah. okay. okay thank you mate Bye-bye. bye bye oh suck oh, it wasn't even that close really but i'm going to make it sound like it was for tension purposes oh. Zach, I'm so sorry, my friend. You're going to have to pay for your own Chinese takeaway tonight. That's fine. The kids will still get
1: it. They're
2: happy. Oh, you're a good dad. Zach, good luck in the future, mate. Good luck finding a new job. We're thinking about your brother.
1: What are you after, Zach? You never know when people are listening. I mean, nobody's listening to this, let's face it, but you never know. What are you after?
3: You pay me, I'll do it. My friend
2: Reason. Oh, 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 okay. (laughs) Me and Leanne haven't been getting on recently.
3: I'll, I'll just tell, give him
2: the address, I'll take his place <laughs> right. For a fee, Foxy, anything can be done. <laughs> Zach, good on you, mate. Good luck. We'll speak soon. Take care, mate. Bye-bye. Yes, yeah, mate. Bye. bye. Oh, another loss on Portables. Right. I feel like we need to... The, the, the problem with Portables is that we're constantly ending on a low. Have you got anything positive that we okay. can finish the podcast with? Positive?
1: Well, I, okay. How about I tell you my favourite thing that's happened out of lockdown? Because let's face it, it's been tragic for so many reasons, okay? Yeah, go on then. But... One of the best things to come out of lockdown is what happened to my friend Neil. Okay. So, obviously, everyone is working from home. Mm -hmm. And uh, Neil was on holiday Mm -hmm. when he got a call from his work. It was a rather urgent call. And they were really apologetic because they knew he he was off. But they needed... Uh, something that some information that only he had right and is he
2: a spy
1: no 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 but it was like it's, it's, it's like a big company and right. and like and and he only he's got access to it and he's like i haven't got my my stuff with me I, I i can't get into it and they were like well the only other way we can do this then is if you tell us your password then we can get in <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh no
1: and and, it, and so, so neil's like getting sweating <laughs> at this point and he said, Well, yeah, but wouldn't that break the protocols? Do you remember, like, you know, you're never supposed to give your password out? And they're like, This, Neil, we're on a conference call. Everyone's here, okay? Every, okay? And he's like, and he's resisting it. The it. They were like? Like, like, Neil, this is life or death, okay? You have to give us the password. And he resisted for as long as he could. At which point, he had to reveal to some senior management. <laughs> His password was bum gravy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We'll leave it on that. Good night.